All right, so we're now on the second of our talk series. So if you remember last week, I was just giving a kind of introductory talk about what the new evangelization is. I talked about how popes from Paul VI onwards have spoken about the new evangelization, about how it was the defining theme of the papacy of John Paul II, about what the new evangelization is, how it has three targets that on one level it's targeting the people who have never heard of Jesus Christ. On another level, it's targeting those who are already coming to Mass but seeking to deepen our faith. But its primary target is the lapsed and the lapsed countries, those who once knew Christ, have had some contact with him, but have somehow aren't there with us now. Um, so that was a little introduction to what the new evangelization is. And I said that the new evangelization so far, and in the papacy of John Paul II, was very effective, very dynamic in various pockets of the church, but it hadn't actually permeated parish life in almost any parish. And so one of the things of Pope Francis is he's trying to take that and in his document Evangelii Gaudium, say what that means in parish life and how it has to transform everything in the parish, our outlook, our priorities, our structures, our times, our everything. Now tonight, I want to, the title of the talk is Encountering Christ, How Do People Come to Faith? I want to think about what it means for the outsider of any kind of category to come to faith. What does it mean to have faith? How do they have faith? Um, which we need to know if we're going to be able to assist in that process. So I want to start with the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I would imagine we could spend quite a while guessing what Pope Francis might say, but I want to tell you quite quickly what he does say. Um, he says, and he's, here he quotes... Um, Pope Benedict, he says, I never tire of repeating those words of Benedict XVI, which take us to the very heart of the gospel. Being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. So this word encounter comes up again and again, not just in this document, but in the preaching and teaching of Pope Francis. That being a Christian isn't ethical, it's not being a, a good person. To be a Christian, you have to meet Christ. You have to have that encounter with him and a relationship with him. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not being ethical. You can be a good atheist, but... You know, being good is what a Christian is. It's about Christ and your relationship with him. Pope Francis talks a lot about joy. Um, so he says, joy fills the hearts of all who have encountered Jesus. And I quoted this line to you before last week. The apostles never forgot the moment when Jesus touched their lives. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So that there, John, in John's gospel is remembering many, many decades earlier the exact time of day when he met the Lord, that that encounter was so effective in him. And that that encounter should produce joy. 
So, finding Jesus. I want to start by a couple images, cartoons actually, uh, indicating in a sense what we don't mean by finding Jesus, because this is a phrase you hear, finding Jesus. Can you all see that cartoon? <laughs> yes, so that's not what we mean. Also, you know, people sometimes say, oh, I saw Jesus in the piece of toast he appeared to me, or in the frying pan. Well, that's also not what we mean by finding Jesus. So what do we mean by finding Jesus? I want to start by thinking about how you meet a new friend. So here you have in that picture three people, and one is introducing the other person. And in that, you can spot, in a sense, three stages that have to happen. Somebody has to be introduced. In that introduction, you encounter, you meet that person. And then it becomes possible to have a relationship, a friendship with them. But that's how we meet a new friend. And this is the model of evangelization, how to meet Christ, be introduced to Christ start to have a relationship with him. So we're introduced, we encounter that person, and we start to have a relationship with him or her. So that encounter, so the Synod of Bishops um, on the new evangelization, which was just before Pope Benedict was elected and he picked up on all its themes, it had this phrase at the stop there, the goal of all evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter, encounter with the Lord. You can't force that encounter on someone, but you can make it possible. So three stages. Somebody proclaims Christ to another. That person thus encounters Christ. And the person begins to have a personal relationship with the Lord, which is the end goal of the new evangelization, what we're aiming at. I suppose as I spell it out like that, it's pretty obvious. But thinking what happens also explains what our role is. It's not my role to have the other person's relationship with the Lord, but it is my role to proclaim the Lord, to make it possible for that encounter to happen in the beginning. So let's um, think about this practically. Um, think of my own life. Well, who introduced me? to the Lord. So if we're going to think who introduced me to the Lord, we've got to go back a bit in time. So this is me at my first Holy Communion. Um, so who introduced Christ to me? Well, got an image there of my mother. Um, my father's not a Catholic, not a Christian in any sense, so he didn't introduce me to Christ. My, so, but it wasn't just my mother. My whole family, so here my... Um, grandparents um, and in different ways my grandmother and my grandfather brought different things in their living and in their faith and in their devotion that led me to the Lord. You can see um, a nun there in the corner, uh, Sister Canis in particular at my primary school was very important in me coming to, to know the Lord. Then the bottom you can see um, a priest that's uh, on the right-hand side is the, my parish priest when I was a teenager. Uh, he's laying hands on me at my ordination in that photo. So all of these different people who 
introduced me to Christ. But I needed someone to introduce me to Christ. So that's the question, who? Well, how? Those are the same people. Um, how did they introduce me to Christ? What did they do? Well, said here, um, there's what's called the Kerygma Proclamation, which is the speaking of the summary of the Gospel, that Christ died and rose again to save us from our sins. Gradual catechesis. Um, so I was taught gradually over many years. I wasn't just taught at one moment. That catechesis, that unfolding of the faith, is part of what enabled me to come to know the Lord. Then, obviously important, being taught how to pray. Taught how to pray in the home, being taught how to pray at church, in my youth group, in my home parish. Um, but someone had to teach me to pray. Even though it's easy for a child, a child still needs to be taught. And then reading me the Bible, that if I'm going to encounter the Lord, well, where do I find him directly described, speaking? It's in the Bible. So all of those are bits of how they introduce me to Christ, or Christ to me, rather. Quoted here, a phrase I quoted last week, missionary outreach is paradigmatic for all the church's activity. It's the model of all the church's activity. So every different thing that the church does, teaching someone to pray, teaching them in catechesis, reading them the Bible, every single activity, the model of it is the presenting of Christ that we might encounter him. That that's the reason we do all those other things if we remember the real reason why we're doing them. Cleaning the hall, putting the flowers in the church, making the porch look tidy, all of these things are similarly gateways to make it possible for someone to encounter the Lord. That if you come into a repulsive building, actually that's going to stop you encountering the Lord. Everything in the church's activity has as its model and goal missionary outreach. Okay, I want to make a slightly different point here. It wasn't just people that introduced me to Christ. Um, it was things. So I've got a few examples here. Uh, being taught the rosary, that in the mysteries of the rosary, in getting to know Our Lady, that introduced me to Christ. The Bible, as I've already mentioned. The image down here is of the seven sacraments. So in each of those, we touch Christ in a different way, that Christ comes to us in a different way in each of the sacraments. So how did Christ get introduced to me? Well, the sacraments were pivotally important. And then tradition that the whole lived tradition means handing over, the whole lived experience of the church being handed over generation to generation, that that's part of what enabled me to meet Christ. <coughs> now, I just said that the 
sacraments, the seven sacraments, are one of the ways that we meet Christ, that Christ comes to us, that I was introduced to, that Christ was introduced to me. But there's one sacrament in particular that at the Synod of Bishops, the bishops noted, is the primary sacrament of the new evangelization. And this is particularly manifest in the youth movements in various parts of the church. Um, and as you can see in those images, it's confession, which given that in many parts of the church, confession has been jettisoned, forgotten, ignored, it's very significant that in those pockets where there is renewal in the church, actually the experience is this is what was called the primary sacrament of the new evangelization. That in confession, I meet the Lord. I meet the Lord in a very particular way, in such a way that he lifts me up again and again and again. But if I don't come to him with what needs to be lifted up, if all I ever see is, in a sense, maybe very occasional things that I need for confession, then this relationship with the Lord that can be transformed and deepened in this sacrament doesn't happen. So there's a huge gulf between, on one level, what in many places has been the parish experience of abandoning confession and the transforming experience of confession in many of the youth movements of the church. And this is one of the things the bishops were picking up on. So, got an image there of a priest with um, Eucharistic adoration. Um, so, the experience of youth and what are called the new ecclesial movements, um, these would be the two things, confession, but also Eucharistic adoration, which similarly we have to acknowledge in parishes by and large has gone by the wayside. And yet what youth show us in the youth movements um, is that this is a huge uh, aspect of what happens at World Youth Day, um, the adoration of the Lord, that where in the midst of this world that has completely forgotten God do I come most closely to him? Where does he come to me in his physical reality? But it's when he's present there to be adored in the Blessed Sacrament. So that the experience of the new movements, as they're called in the church, is that these two sacraments in particular are a pivotal part of the new evangelization in our era. So this is a quote from um, Cardinal Dolan at the Synod of Bishops on, that, uh, on the new evangelization. He says, the primary sacrament of the new evangelization is the sacrament of penance, meaning confession. Yes, the sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist change, challenge, and equip the agents of evangelization. But the sacrament of reconciliation evangelizes the evangelizers as it brings us sacramentally into contact with Jesus, who calls us to conversion of heart and inspires us to answer his invitation to repentance. Picking back on these words, encounter with the Lord, contact with the Lord. Where does this happen? How does this happen? Um, the sacraments, especially, but confession in a particular way. And there at the bottom, there's a quote from Evangelii Gaudium of Pope Francis. 
But he says, set free from sin and sorrow, how good it feels to come back to him whenever we are lost. So often Pope Francis, when he's talking about the joy of the gospel and the joy of the believer, will connect it with the experience of knowing we are sinners, seeking forgiveness and being forgiven. Okay, so let's, in a sense, take a step backwards from those things and think more generally about the process of conversion, more generally the process of faith. And I want to ponder here a question. Can you encounter God without being introduced to him? So I gave you that image before, that photograph of three people and said, well, how do you come to know a new friend? And you might say, well, actually, a good number of my friends I just kind of stumbled across. Someone didn't introduce them to me, I just kind of got to know them. Well, can it be the same with God? Can you encounter God and come to have a relationship with him without being introduced? The answer is yes and no. So with God as spirit, Yes, you can encounter him without being introduced. You can have, you know, people say, oh, I'm a spiritual person. I don't believe in the church or that Jesus stuff, um, but I'm a spiritual person. I, I talk to God or whatever I think's up there. Well, at the level of God as a kind of general spiritual thing, yes, you can have a relationship with him. You can encounter him without being introduced to him. But to know him in Jesus, God incarnate, God taking flesh, which has happened in history, is recorded specifically in the scriptures, is handed on by the lived experience of his body, the church that he established to hand on that experience down the ages all across the world. You can only have that encounter with God by being introduced. So you can have it in part by alone reading the Bible, but in reading the Bible you are already reading the words of the church, that the church, the Bible is the early church's writing down of its experience meeting the Lord. But coming to the sacraments, everything else, it's got to be this connection with this event, this person of history, if we're going to have um, a relationship with him, and that requires that he's introduced to us. So, what this adds up to is that we finding a connection we trust is a precondition to coming to faith in the person of God incarnate. So if you have to have some introduction to Jesus, there has to be somebody to connect you to Jesus. And that's got to be somebody you trust. If you don't trust anybody, um, then you won't actually be able to come to faith. If all the Christians you meet are actually rather disagreeable people, actually that's going to stop you coming to faith in Christ as well, because you're not going to trust any of them enough to listen to what they tell you about the Lord Jesus. So what we need 
if the new evangelization is to happen, is to make it possible for that connection to happen. And that's our role. So what I'm now going to outline is five stages in which this happens. And this is a summary of the main point um, of Sherry Waddell's book that we're going to be discussing in the groups, Forming Intentional Disciples. She came to speak in the Portsmouth Diocese two years ago in 2014. Um, and uh, this book has been recommended by our bishop. Um, bishop Egan similarly has um, gone for her methods in a big way in the Portsmouth Diocese. Um, Westminster too, I think, they've been using a lot of this book. She outlines what she calls five thresholds of conversion. And what I want to do now is to outline what each of those five is. Um, before I do that, she notes that many people stay their entire lives at one of these non-believing stages. So a stage that could lead to faith, but somehow they never progress. Um, and part of our role is to help people at one of those different stages. So the first stage is what she calls initial trust. There has to be somebody you trust that is going to be your connection to the Lord Jesus. So that image there is of a bridge. She refers to what she calls a bridge of trust. You have to have somebody that's going to connect you. Now, sometimes that bridge of trust might not be an individual. It might be an institution. Um, so people often complain about how awful the church is. But actually, there are other people who actually come to faith precisely because of their experience of the opposite, that actually meeting good Christians, having a good experience of the church, sometimes through um, our charitable works, that that can form a connection, a bridge of trust. So the first stage is there has to be an initial trust. Here is someone who knows Jesus or some organization that's linked with Jesus and you somehow trust them and that initial trust might be able to lead to an encounter with the Lord. So let's sum it this way. You trust someone who knows Jesus. You trust what they say. That person is then a bridge of trust to something more. But if there isn't a bridge of trust, then you'll never be able to encounter the Lord. As I said, that trust could be a friend, could be the church as an institution. So there could be the Gospels as historically reliable records. So you can read books of people that have come to faith because their study of the Gospels has led them to think, actually, this is trustworthy as a historical description. And therefore, this person, Jesus Christ, and what he did and said is worthy of me putting my trust in. But there has to be something or someone that is going to be that bridge of trust linking you to the Lord Jesus. Second stage she calls spiritual curiosity. So if you're not curious, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, you might trust someone who's linked with the Lord, 
But if you're not curious about something in that, it's not going to go anywhere. So, she says curiosity. It can be intense or casual. She says, but it's not yet open to change. So she says it's essentially passive, but it's more than just trust. So you're not kind of actively going out there and looking for stuff at this curiosity stage. She then talks about another stage, what she calls spiritual openness. She says openness, as I've said there, isn't a commitment to change, but it's openness to the possibility of change. So it's a bit more than being curious. I'm aware that this Jesus thing might involve some change on my part, and I'm not in a position to commit myself to that, but I am kind of open to thinking about it. The stage beyond that is <coughs> spiritual seeking. And this isn't just passive, this is active. Someone hasn't yet committed to the Lord Jesus, hasn't yet met the Lord Jesus, but they are actively seeking. They might be reading books, they might be going to talks, they might be turning up to Mass. Um, they're actively seeking. So she says, seeking is active, not passive. It wants to know more about Christ, wants to know more about his church, but it's not yet ready to commit. So there have been four stages here. An initial trust connection, a curiosity, an openness, then an active seeking, all of which has to come before the next final stage, what she calls intentional discipleship, which involves a decision. It's no longer passive. She calls it a conscious commitment to follow Christ in the midst of his church. Now, for those of you who pay attention to words, um, intentional discipleship. Now, this is almost um, an unnecessary word, intentional. That to be a disciple, the point she's wanting to make is you, you can't be a disciple by accident. So she's adding this word, intentional disciple, to say unless you've decided to follow the Lord, then actually you're not following him. At some stage, you've got to have made that decision. You've got to be intending to follow wherever he's going to lead. And that's what this commitment stage is. <coughs> let me note that this stage doesn't mean you've become a saint, right? Um, it just realizes you've made that commitment that you are going to follow him. And you may be in a really messy, sinful situation. You may not have a clue quite how you're going to change from your sin or what you're going to change first or whatever else, but you've made that commitment. You've seen enough to make that commitment to spiritually meet the Lord and say, respond positively to his invitation to come follow me. So here I'm repeating the slide we had earlier. The goal of all evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter. And those three stages of proclamation of Christ to another person, that person then encountering Christ, 
and being able to begin to have that relationship with him. Did that need to have all those other stages weaved in with it? A trust in so that you're willing to listen to that proclamation. An openness, a curiosity, eventually a seeking before there can be that final commitment and relationship with the Lord. All right, that actually concludes my talk now. Um, last week we spoke very easily and spontaneously, um, so we may do the same tonight, but I, I've got a couple um, kind of discussion questions we might want to consider. To think in your own life, who have been the bridges of trust for you, introducing you to God? And then to think about words and language, this language that the Synod of Bishops and Pope Francis are talking about, encountering Jesus, personal relationship with him. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound modern? Does it sound Protestant? Um, and then this question of joy. So it comes up again and again in Pope Francis. Does a believer always have joy? So he says... Um, there are some Christians who lives, whose lives seem to be like Lent without Easter. Um, he has an even more damning phrase when he says there are some Christians who look like they've come from a funeral. Um, all right, but that sums up um, my talk, so thank you very much. <laughs>